What is up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform, being Twitter at Deep Dive FF or on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Also, if you are looking for more Dynasty content from me, join me and the Rewind team at Dynasty Rewind on YouTube and wherever you enjoy your podcasts where we dive deep into all things Dynasty Fantasy Football. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we're going to be going over the Tennessee Titans And the reason that I have waited on them and I chose them to be one of the last teams for me to project was because I was waiting to see if DeAndre Hopkins would sign there. Reportedly, it's a good possibility he does sign here, just like the Patriots. And then, you know, maybe the Bills and Chiefs aren't completely off the board yet as possibilities. We'll see. Um, And then I think I saw, unless it was just for Dalvin Cook, something about the Jets too, but I was hoping by now, this late into the offseason, that Hopkins and Cook would sign somewhere because that's why I haven't projected the Chiefs. That's why I haven't projected the Bills. I'm waiting to make sure that I know everyone on that team, but it looks like I'm just going to have to go forward with it. And once they sign somewhere, I'm going to just have to make an adjustment, which I'll let you guys know about. If you're with us in Dynasty Rewind in the Patreon, then you will be able to see my live updates in the Google Sheets where I have all of my rankings from all of my projections. I have even like a research tab with studies that I've done like an age drop off and how a good rookie wide receivers target share grows into a second year and stuff like that. And I will just continually add stuff into that research tab as well as I do stuff in the Google Sheets. But with that being said, let's get into the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, they have not signed DeAndre Hopkins to this point. The offensive line had some decent movement and not decent in necessarily a good way just there's a lot of movement for the titans they lost offensive guard nate davis he went elsewhere and got a three-year 30 million dollar deal they lost offensive tackle taylor lawan he retired he's been a very good tackle for them when healthy he retired he's done but when we're comparing this this year that we're projecting to last year, Taylor Lewan actually only played two games last year, so it's not a loss based upon the team they had last year. And then they added offensive tackle Peter Skaronsky in the first round, and they added offensive tackle Andre Dillard on a three-year, $30 million deal. So to me, I'm kind of looking at it as Nate Davis and Andre Dillard swapped, so just call it even. And then because Taylor Lewan didn't play at all last year, even though technically Peter Skaronsky is replacing him, He wasn't there to play last year, so that's an upgrade to the offensive line. So overall, they had one spot upgraded. Then on the skill position side of the ball, they lost wide receiver Robert Woods. He was number one in targets for their team last year. They lost tight end Austin Hooper, who was number two in their targets last year. They added quarterback Will Levis in the second round. He's a good value to draft and hold in Superflex leagues. I got him in the back of uh, Superflex rookie draft. I got him in the back of the second round. So... He is a good value right now. Just grab him and hold him. People are almost overreacting. Like the fact that Will Levis is going in the exact same range that Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral went and Malik Willis went last year. The fact that he's going in the same range, although he was at the picked at the top of the second round and is a much better prospect than any of those guys is silly to me. But hey, that just means he's a value. So Grab Will Levis at the back end of uh, the second rounds in rookie drafts if you want to. That's what I'm doing. 
They added running back Tajay Spears in the third round. He's got some really concerning reports coming out about his leg. I was already way lower on him as a prospect than most people. He's not the type of guy that I think can in, then that can survive injury stuff. And he's not anything like Derrick Henry. He, Derrick Henry is a big bruiser who's huge. The guy they had before that, DeMarco Murray, strong bruiser. Tajay Spears is something completely different. So I do think that they kind of added him to try to give a wrinkle to the offense, create a different element. I do think he's going to be used. I just don't think he really has any sort of longevity and doesn't have any sort of potential to become a workhorse. So for me, like his ceiling is like Jarek McKinnon. It is kind of Tajay Spears ceiling to me. So he's not really somebody I care to add to any of my teams. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they lost defensive end Demarcus Walker for a three-year, $20 million deal, and they added offensive or outside linebacker, excuse me, Arden Key for a three-year, $20 million deal. So pretty much a wash there. Defensive end, outside linebacker, Arden Key, he is used a lot as a rusher, so kind of a wash there too. Then on the coaching side of the ball, they lost offensive coordinator Todd Downing. They added offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly. And a lot of times you guys know that when we have changes, offensive coordinator, it causes some type of trend, history, research, stuff like that for me and helps influence what where my projections go. That's not going to be the case for this team. Not every offensive coordinator has a huge um, imprint on their offense, doesn't really change or affect anything too much. I believe that was the case in Tennessee because we already saw Arthur Smith leave Tennessee and that offense still just keep chugging along, doing the same things that they were doing before. So for the most part. So I don't really see any any reason to be concerned here or find reason to dig into change because Tim Kelly, their new offensive coordinator, he came from Houston. He was in Houston. That's the only place he's ever been. His entire NFL coaching career is three years as an offensive coordinator in Houston. Houston did not even have a good offense. They didn't do anything special. So there's no reason for me to really believe Tim Kelly's going to have like a huge change on this offense and what they're doing. So for me, Coaching is basically the same in terms of fantasy football impact. With that said, we can get into their actual history. So last year, 2022, the Titans had 943 plays. The year before that, they had 1,086. That is a huge difference. Last year, they had 32 touchdowns. They had 16 of each, 16 passing, 16 rushing. So they had 32 touchdowns last year, which is horrible. In 2021, they had 45. So in one year, this offense got significantly worse and I expect the offense now to take a slight step forward obviously they got worse because they lost AJ Brown Trey Lumberks was hurt Ryan Tannehill was hurt their offensive line had gotten worse there's a lot of reasons that they just had this huge drop off I do think they're going to take a slight step forward you've got Trey Lumberks coming into year two and being healthy you've got a new offensive tackle that's going to be healthy hopefully starting for you and Peter Skaronsky Tannehill is hopefully healthy the entire season and the team, I mean, they just saw a lot of misfortune. Like I said, Tannehill missed five games. Traylon Burks missed six games. Taylor Lewan missed 15 games. And he's a, the offensive tackle, so a very important position. So there was a lot going on. Also, Derrick Henry is starting to, to decline a little bit, which we will get into. But for this offense this year, I am projecting 1,020 plays. So I, I do expect a huge improvement from last year, but significantly less than what they were able to do in 2021. 37 touchdowns, only five touchdowns more than last year. I'm expecting 21 passing, 16 rushing. And I think they're going to pass the ball a little bit more often. In 2022, 
they ran the ball 48% of the time. In 2021, they ran the ball, or sorry, in 2022, they passed the ball 48% of the time. They ran 52%. So they were one of those teams that run more than they pass. In 2021, they passed the ball 49% of the time, ran the ball 51% of the time. So they have always been that run first team. I mean, just that's what Tennessee is, right? Well, I think that might change a little bit this year. Not really, not a heavy, significant amount. But I think that as Henry has started to hit that decline, he hasn't hit that like drop-off decline, which will happen. It might happen this year, might happen next year. Maybe he's got two more good years left or decent years left. We'll see. But he has already started declining in some areas. And we'll we'll go through that and how I how I've discovered that. But I'm giving them a 51% pass rate. So I think they're going to finally pass the ball a little bit more than run, but barely. I mean, 1% difference. Not not a big deal. I have them at 520 passes when they had 456 and about 540 the past two years. So 520 passes this year and then 500 runs. That's how the offense breaks down with, like I said, 37 touchdowns for me. Let's break down Ryan Tanhill. So on the ground, I'm projecting 45 carries, 225 yards, and three touchdowns. It's basically around what he has done lately. I don't get too crazy unless they're a rushing quarterback into projecting the rushing because, I mean, the variability is is somewhat random. So, you know, he's been decently consistent, so I'm just going to go with it. That's what I'm projecting him rushing. Now, with the 520 passes, the efficiency I'm projecting will start with the touchdown rate. He had 4.0 touchdown rate both of the last two years. Let's keep it rolling. I don't see any reason to change it. As I think the situation is going to be a little bit better this year, maybe his touchdown rate would improve, but I think he's going to pass a lot more this year. And with Derrick Henry being less of a threat, that will hurt the, the deadliness of the pass offense a little bit. So I think that's why his touchdown rate is probably going to just stay right there at 4.0. His yards per attempt has ping-ponged between 7.9 and 7.0 the last three years. He's gone up, down, up. So now it would be, if you care about a pattern like that, I don't. But if you did, the pattern would bring him down now. But he's had a pretty similar completion percentage and yards per completion. I'm giving him in line with that. There have not been big changes anywhere. I'm projecting a 67% completion rate. 11.5 yards per completion, that's 7.7 yards per attempt. So that's basically a little bit on the higher side of what he's done the last three years. I think, you know, he's going to get a little bit better, and the situation has gotten a little bit better. So for me, that's going to bring Ryan Tannehill to 520 passes, 348 completions, 4,007 yards, 21 touchdowns, and then 45 for 225 and 3 on the ground. That's 16.7 points per game. He's a back-end quarterback, too. I'm not really interested. He's like QB 24 for me right now, so he might even end up being worse. I think he's like 22 to 24. It just depends on the few guys that I haven't projected yet where they end up. But Ryan Tannehill is not a guy that I'm interested in. Now let's talk about Derrick Henry. He's somebody that has been super reliable, has won championships for people, has gone for over 2,000 rushing yards in a season. He's just, he's done a lot and he's been amazing, but I think we need to tread carefully. Since getting 200 plus carries, if you take all the seasons in the NFL that Derrick Henry has got 200 carries at least, the last two years, he has 4.35 yards per carry. The entirety of his career before that, when he's gotten 200 carries in a season, 5.2 yards per carry. So he has dropped in the last two years, both consistent. 4.35 
4.3 yards per carry, 4. Point, it was either 4.3 or 4.4. Yeah, it was. So 4.3 and 4.4 yards per carry the last two seasons, when before that, he was above five almost every season, 4.9, like 5.5 and 5.2 or something. And so that's a huge drop off, almost a full yard per carry on a lot of touches. It's not like an outlier. It's like a consistent, reliable metric because of how many carries he gets. Also, 2019 to 2020, because you may say, okay, well, A.J. Brown is gone. That's going to hurt him because they can focus more on stopping. The defense can stop Derrick Henry and make him the number one priority, not have to worry about A.J. Brown. True. Offensive line got a little bit worse. True. However, there's other things that have also declined, which a full yard per carry, that's a huge decline. I wouldn't expect something like that for the reasons we just laid out. So that's that's one red flag already. And then the second red flag is things that are solely, solely on the running back, like statistics that are measured for the running back alone. It doesn't matter about offensive line. It doesn't matter about surrounding talent. Things like that have also declined, right? When we're looking at him, he his breakaway rate, his his breakaway rate and his tackles, his evaded tackles, his broken tackles, all that stuff on a efficiency side of things. So not like a total number, because that would depend on how many carries he's getting. But in terms of just per carry, what is the amount of tackles he's expected to break? The times he's going to break a run for more than 15 yards, stuff like that. All of that stuff has gone down, all of it. And you know, breakaway rate may be somewhat also on environment, but evading tackles, that's on you. Breaking tackles, that's on you. And that stuff has gone down as well. And then lastly, in 2019 to 2020, that so the, the two years before he hit his drop-off in yards per carry, right? He had 650 rushing yards over expected. That is a lot. That is what he built his career off of. He's just a beast. He does more than we would expect. He turns what should be a four-yard run into eight yards. He turns what should be a 20-yard run, breaks two tackles, and takes it for 60 yards. Stuff like that. He had 650 rushing yards overexpected in those two years combined. The last two years combined, only 100. That is a, like, 15% of what he, he was. 15%. That is horrible. He was six times better two years ago. So... All of these things are showing me that Derrick Henry is getting close to that drop-off. It makes sense. He's taken a lot of work in his career. He has been amazing for the NFL, for the Titans, for your fantasy teams. But I think the time is coming. And if it's not this year, it's next year. And if it's not next year, that's that's definitely it. Like He's not going to be 32 years old just running you know, extremely efficiently, destroying people anymore. Like It's not going to happen. Like, we have to be realistic. And so do you want to take that risk on Derrick Henry? That's up to you. That's up to you. It, it does go into my risk rating. I believe I have his risk rating at medium. So, you know, if you want to take that shot, take that shot. But I personally, probably not going to do that. So when we look at his carries, right, he's taken 90% of the running back carries per usual. That, that's basically what he's done his whole career since DeMarco Murray left. Once he took over that backfield, he gets 90% of the carries. Now, another thing to show he might be declining, they drafted Tajay Spears, and because they did that, and because I just think he's declining, I think they might realize that as well. I expect him to be more around 80% of the carries instead of 90. I expect his decline to continue as a runner. I'm giving him 4.2 yards per carry. That's what I'm expecting. 
I'm giving him 12 of the 13 running back touchdowns. I'm, you know, last year he had his highest ever, 10% of the targets on the team. He had 10% of the tar- targets. He had over 40 targets. That's crazy. That's not something we see from Derrick Henry. They also, like I said, drafted Tajay Spears, probably who's looked at as a receiving running back, a good one, probably to take that role from Derrick Henry. And just, he also, there was a bunch of people that were hurt. Like we talked about, Traylon Burks was hurt, yada, yada. So Derrick Henry was getting a little bit more of the targets. So with Spears here to take most of that, I'm only giving Derrick Henry 5% of the targets instead of 10. His career average efficiency is what I'm going to apply to that 5% targets. Doesn't really matter. It's 26 targets anyways. But that's going to bring Derrick Henry to 26 targets, 20 receptions, 176 receiving yards. And then on the ground with 80% of the carries in the running back room, 352 carries. Still, I believe that is the most I have projected for any running back in the NFL. 352 carries, 1,478 yards. His efficiency is going. And 12 rushing touchdowns. That's 15.1 points per game. Makes him the RB15 for me. He is right between J.K. Dobbins and Najee Harris. I will not be drafting Derrick Henry. He, first off, because I see the decline coming and looking at stuff like that, he's not going to be super efficient, which is not going to live up to his value right now in drafts. He's going as a, a late RB1. That's a little bit higher than I haven't projected, so I'm already not going to take him for that reason. But he also has risk that maybe he hits the drop-off this year. So that's... that is what has me worried about Derrick Henry. That's why I'm not going to be drafting him. Traylon Burks. He had a 18% target share last year in the games that he played. He played weeks 1 through 4, 8 through 12, and then I think 16 and 17. I broke down all those weeks, took the target shares of all the guys that I, I wanted to take the target shares of from those weeks, and broke that stuff down to give you guys the rest of the projections we're going to go through. Okay? So, Traylon Burks, like I said, 18% of the targets last year in his games where he played more than 20% of the snaps. When we look at what A.J. Brown did as a rookie, A.J. Brown also had an 18% target share as a rookie. And he went from his rookie season to his sophomore season from 18% targets to 25% targets. And in that year, A.J. Brown was not losing weapons around him. He, Corey Davis, who was highly drafted, was pick five overall, I believe, if I remember correctly was still there in A.J. Brown's second season. So he didn't really lose a significant weapon, and his target share rose by 7%. Robert Woods and Austin Hooper, the two guys that led the team in targets last year, are both gone. And even though Traylon Burks is not A.J. Brown, that's, that's a comparison I will never make in terms of saying that he is legitimately that talented and as good as A.J. Brown. Like, A.J. Brown is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He has been since he entered the league. Traylon Burks is not that. But he has a lot less around him than what A.J. Brown had when A.J. Brown had a 25% share in his second season. And because of that, like if Traylon Burks, if Robert Woods was still there, Austin Hooper was there, maybe they had like a decent receiver. For example, if they add DeAndre Hopkins, I'm going to have Traylon Burks' target share probably like 19%. But because all those people left and he's going into year two and he's naturally he was good he's naturally going to see a target bump that's what i saw in my study from looking at good wide receivers in year one to two i'm going to give him a 24 percent target share okay he's a he's the good target he's probably the best target on the team in a team with not many good targets so that's going to give him about a 24 percent target share and most wide receivers grow about five percent anyways so that's a six percent increase for him because of this circumstance Last year, he had a 71% catch rate, 
I'm projecting that to drop with a, a uptick in targets to 66%. His yards per reception were 10.9. I'm projecting 12. He's somebody who profiles as a strong yards after catch guy. He's going to be better at that, especially when he has more opportunities to break tackles and take stuff longer. So I am raising his yards per reception from 10.9 to 12. His yards per target were 7.7 last year. I think they're going to be 8 this year. That's what the average is of the catch rate and yards per reception that we just went over. Now, like I said, he had an abnormally high catch rate. He profiles as a strong yak guy. I'm giving him 5 of the 21 receiving touchdowns that this team has projected for me. So I'm not giving him like a high touchdown count or anything like that. He has potential to do better than that for sure, but I'm giving him five. It's 125 targets, 82 receptions, 988 yards, and five touchdowns. I'm also giving him 10 carries for 100 rushing yards on the ground. He gets utilized with some gimmick rushes or some schemed rushes sometimes. If you don't buy him as a prospect, don't buy my projection. Straight up. If you if you do not, if you're not a Traylon Burks guy, which I was not really a Traylon Burks guy coming out of college. But I didn't dislike him, but I didn't like him nearly as much as other people. But now I feel like the pendulum has just swung too far to the other side. People are trying to sell him for like high second round picks, late first round picks. Like, guys, let's relax. Let's relax. He's got a great opportunity. Let's see what he does with it. He was good last year when he was playing. He was getting targets. He was doing good. So if you don't buy him as a prospect, don't buy my projection. If you are in, in any way, Andre Lemberks, he's a decent value. I have him at 13 points per game sandwiched between DJ Moore, who you guys know I'm lower on, and Christian Watson. And additionally, his lines in underdog, his seasonal betting lines are on par with my projections. So I feel like I'm pretty close on this one, unless me and Vegas both are way off. But I think Traylon Burks is a good value, and I would hold him right now. I wouldn't be selling low. Then we've got Kyle Phillips. This is a tricky one. I'm not going to lie. Most of this projection for Kyle Phillips is going to be actually a guess, not as much of a projection, because I don't really have anything to work with. He was a rookie last year. He was a late draft pick. He only played one game, basically. I mean, he played in one game with 46% of the snaps. And in that one game, which was week one, he had nine targets. That's absurd. Anything I do, like I said, is going to be an absolute guess, but it is a realistic outcome statistically. Statistically, there's a range of outcomes that we could have for this player. I'm not going to project anything that's not in that range of outcomes, but actually being able to pinpoint what I think he's going to do is a complete guess. He could get up to a 23% target share because of this offense being so poor in terms of their options. You know, so deprived. That's the word I was looking for. So deprived of good options. You've got Traylon Burks. Kyle Phillips, which we don't really know. We saw him in one game. Chig Conquo, And that's it. Like, I know Conquo is a new guy too. Like, this, this offense is very young. The receiving core of this offense is extremely young. They're all rookies. Oconquo is a rookie. Traylon Burks was a rookie. Kyle, Kyle Phillips was a rookie. <laughs> like, it's actually ridiculous. And they just drafted Will Levis, who, who knows, might take over by next year. And, and everybody is, like two years are fresher in the offense and they'll probably replace Derrick Henry at some point. And Tajay Spears is not a Derrick Henry replacement. Hear me on that one. So when we're looking at Kyle Phillips, he could get up to like a 23% target share, maybe 25 if he actually is better than Traylon Burks, but I doubt it. Woods, Robert Woods, who was the number one target and then left. Robert Woods got 20% of the targets in the games with Traylon Burks. So when Traylon Burks was getting 18% of the targets, Robert Woods was getting 20% of the targets as the number one. 
I don't see role players because there's not good ones really. I don't really see role players getting a big piece in this offense. Last year they had more to work with, but this year they don't. And so as the number two, I'm giving Kyle Phillips, Traylon Burks is the number two, got 18% last year. I'm giving Kyle Phillips as the number two this year, 19% because they're, they didn't gain depth. They lost depth. So they're going to funnel targets to the, the main guys more often. He seemed to play a similar role to Woods or at least have a similar efficiency in that one game to what Robert Woods produced, but it doesn't really show to be a good, safe comparison that way because Kyle Phillips is their slot receiver. Tra- or Robert Woods was not using the slot, and Kyle Phillips is their slot guy. So I don't want to just look at that, obviously. So with that one game to look at, and it being nine targets, I looked at the yards per target. It seems like a pretty average mean number. He didn't have any big breakaway catches. He didn't have any like little tiny baby screens that hurt him. So I do think that's somewhat going to be close to where he's at. But like I said, it's complete guess at this point. I don't know exactly how he's going to be used. None of us do. So with that said, I think his yards per target, that's something safer, easier to project for wide receivers because yards per target is the average of their completion rate and their yards per reception. So whether they're used as a deep guy or a short guy, short like short to the line of scrimmage, their yards per target should be able to line up somewhat with each other because it's the average of those two things. So I think his yards per target is going to be somewhere between 6.5 and 7.5. I'm projecting him to be at 7 yards per target. It's a very average. It's actually below average for a wide receiver in the NFL. So I'm just giving him that as his yards per target off a 64% catch rate and a 10.9 yards per reception. Kyle Phillips could be the biggest sleeper at the wide receiver position of 2023. Okay, With everything that I've told you, he could be the biggest sleeper. I'm giving him four of the 21 touchdowns. It's in line with his target share. It's going to bring him to 99 targets, 63 receptions, 689 yards, and four touchdowns. If Kyle Phillips goes for like 850 yards and maybe six touchdowns, he might be one of the the best hits in the season for a sleeper because he's not getting drafted. And if you can get somebody that's not drafted to go for 850 and six, that is amazing. Well, I've got him statted out for 689 and four right now and like I said I got him at a 19% target share I could see him getting up to 23% and that's as the number two if he is actually better than Traylon Burks if you're not a Traylon Burks guy you got to be all in on Kyle Phillips if you do not buy Traylon Burks you need to buy Kyle Phillips in Dynasty he's a good buy low I would do that and just grab him as the last guy the last pick in your drafts and there's no Robert Woods there. There's nobody there to meddle with the target possibilities. So, And Kyle Phillips is no longer a rookie. And there's already a lot of hype there was in his rookie season about him. The team already loves him. There's not something that's going to develop that's new. right? So he is somebody that you take with your last pick. And if he doesn't produce anything in the first two weeks, you can cut him. You don't have to worry about, oh, what if I cut him too early and then he develops a role? No, like if he's going to have a role, he's going to have a role to start. It's not something that's going to develop and and come in over time. He didn't just get drafted. There's not a veteran in front of him. He's already the number two right now. They've already expressed their love for the guy. So if he's going to have a legit season, it's going to start right away. So take him with like one of your last picks. He's somebody that I really like. With that said, that's 9.2 points per game. He's a wide receiver five, but like I said, upside, a lot of upside. He could be a wide receiver three. He's got the potential to, to kind of put together a Adam Humphreys season 
from Tampa when Todd Munkin was there, when Adam Humphreys was like a consistent guy you wanted to put in your flex. I could see Kyle Phillips doing that with higher touchdown upside. And, you know, he does carry more upside than that, but I think that's like a realistic outcome for him. He could be a solid emergency flex throughout the whole year. And then lastly, we have Chico Conquo. He has been the apple of Dynasty's eye when it comes to sleeper tight ends. You guys probably have heard of him a lot if you're in the Dynasty communities. If you're in redraft, maybe not as much, but things are looking good for him. He's got a good yards per route run. He's good after the catch. He's explosive. He's athletic. He profiles as one of those tight ends that could be really good for fantasy and a very deadly receiver. Well, him and Austin Hooper last year combined for 23% of the targets. I can see him stepping forward to about 18% this year. His yards per target were extremely high. It will reduce, likely in the catch rate area. His catch rate was very high at 70% despite having a 14 yards per reception mark. Like 70% catch rate on 14 yards per reception. You don't see that. That's definitely coming down. I can guarantee you that. So I'm giving him a 65% catch rate instead of 70 and dropping his yards per reception from 14 to 13.5 that still makes him a very good receiver that's 8.7 yards per target we just talked about Kyle Phillips being at seven right 8.7 yards per target it's higher than Traylon Burks as well he was good with touchdowns he had three in the poor offense that only gave them 16 last year him and Hooper had five of the 16 together the tight end position so I can see Chig getting five of 21 as the sole tight end really there to do anything so he's at 94 targets for me, 61 receptions, 821 receiving yards, and five receiving touchdowns. That's 10.2 points per game. He is right between Tyler Higby and Cole Komet. He's a back-end tight end one, high tight end two. Chico Conquo will be one of those guys that in redraft, he's a, he's a good buy right now, but most people that have him already know about him, so they're not going to give him up for much, or for little, I mean. You're going to have to give up a good amount to get him. But in redraft, if I can't get my hands on Andrews or Waller at cost, if something happens, I'm not able to get, get those guys, then Okonkwo, he's somebody I'll, I'll grab late. It's I know he's going to be one of them. Jawan Johnson will probably be one of them. And I have to get the Broncos are going to be the next team that I project, um, which I'll hopefully start today. I need to do a lot of digging into Dolchich. A lot of people are super excited for him, talking a, a lot about him. I haven't got to dive into him take a deep dive yet so I will um, but he might end up being one of those guys too but Juwan Johnson and Jigo Conquo I know are going to be like my late tight end sleepers that if I can't get Darren Waller or Mark Andrews in the second and fifth rounds respectively or third and fifth rounds respectively then they're going to be the guys I'm taking shots at with that said that is the end of the podcast that is the projections for the Tennessee Titans I appreciate you guys hanging with me sticking around um like I do at the end of every podcast, I'll give you a quick summary. Basically, Ryan Tannehill, not interested. Derrick Henry, not interested. Traylon Burks, I like him at cost right now. Kyle Phillips is a good last pick of your draft sleeper. And Okonkwo is a good late shot at tight end. If either of those, between Kyle Phillips or Okonkwo, take over more from the offense, which they both could get to like a 23, 24% target share, they're going to be really good. And if that offense is better than I'm expecting, which sometimes Tennessee surprises you, man. I remember one year we thought Tennessee was going to have a losing record and they made it to the final four. That was like the year that they lost to, I think it was, was it the Ravens? Or they beat the Ravens and then lost to the Bills. It was like they played one of those teams. Or ugh, it might have been the Chiefs, honestly. I don't remember, but I know they made it to the final four. Whatever that year was, the final four in the AFC. Whatever that year was, um, 
I'm pretty sure we were projecting them to be uh, have a losing record, and that's with the same coach, head coach that they have in place right now, and Mike Vrabel. So he's a he's a good good leader of men. He's gonna rally this team, and if they're better than I'm expecting, these guys can keep the same target shares, but their touchdown floor goes up, and maybe their efficiency is a little bit better than I'm expecting. So that's why I really like these guys as sleepers. You guys can see that they will be bold in my draft sheets, and they will have the favorite mark in the the remarks next to the player all the way to the right. That's because they are my favorite guys to be drafting. Thank you guys for listening. Till next time, drop a rating, drop a review, share with a friend. It helps tremendously. Peace.